So today, I want to talk to you about, I want to talk to you about Daniel, and I want to really talk particularly about a very amazing quality of Daniel, that that's really going to be the focal point of our message. We're going to sort of move through a lot of the different chapters in the book of Daniel, but I want to particularly draw a, a lot out of a quality that we see Daniel has that he carried with him through his entire life and everything that God did with him. Now, if you're a guy like Daniel, it's pretty interesting because ultimately it's very hard to be recognized for anything except going down in the lion's den. When that's part of your resume, it's hard to really, you know, people just automatically, oh yeah, I know about Daniel, the lion's den, right? That's really just a small part of everything happened, but obviously one of the most powerful and impactful things that happened. But Daniel's an interesting guy. Um, He was kidnapped out of Jerusalem around 15 years old. That was whenever the Babylonians were conquering Jerusalem and and the Israelites were led away into captivity. Daniel was like 15 whenever he was captured and brought over to Babylon. And interestingly enough, he actually never ended up returning to Jerusalem. He spent the remaining part of his life actually being used by God in a powerful way. We'll talk about some of that today in Babylon, and so he grew old. He never was reunited from, with his family from what we can gather from the scriptures, right? So he had a pretty tough beginning to his ministry and what God was using him to do. Um, his life really spanned the entire period of the Babylonian captivity, which was a 70-year period. But something I want to talk about today with Daniel is, uh, is that he was a man, the Bible tells us, who had an excellent spirit. And that's what I want to really draw out this morning for all of us because to have an excellent spirit, let me just say, is a desirable quality that all of us as followers of Christ, people who would want to be game changers in the world, who would want to recognize the purpose that God's created us for and then flourish in that, that it would be said of us who would go about our lives doing that, that we would be people who would carry with us an excellent spirit. And so we're going to unpack this thing, and we want to look at things about Daniel's life, qualities, habits, things that he did. What was it that really contributed to this idea that he was a man who had an excellent spirit? Because what I want to attempt to show you this morning, and I hope you'll get, is that it's really this underlying idea that he had, this underlying truth that he had an excellent spirit in him that ultimately is what contributed to all the amazing works and all the amazing things that we see God do through his life, okay? So open up to Daniel chapter 6, Daniel chapter 6, verses 1 through 3 is where we'll start. It says, so it pleased King Darius to set over the kingdom 120 satraps to be over the whole kingdom. And over these three governors, of whom Daniel was one, that the satraps might give account to them, so the king would suffer no loss. Then this Daniel distinguished himself above the governors and satraps because an excellent spirit was in him, and the king gave thought to setting him over the whole 
realm. This is really just one of several places that we see Daniel being referred to as having an excellent spirit in him. But let's first talk about what does that mean, an excellent spirit. So if you study that word in the Old Testament, the word excellent actually means to be very uh, predominant, to be very um, it, it comes forth and just kind of overshadows everything else, if you will. It's like the chief driving factor. A couple other synonyms that it gives is uppermost or enthroned, excels or goes beyond. And so the idea that Daniel's spirit was excellent, we can draw here that it means that basically the spirit of the man was the predominant thing that drove the life of the man. Now, we are all made up of three different parts, essentially. We are body, which is our physical man, the outermost layer of us, if you will. We are soul, which is emotions, your mind, your thoughts. It's kind of the intellect, which is, of course, a deeper part of us. But then there's the spirit man, which is really, truly the deepest part of who we are. It's the deepest part of how God created us to be. It's the eternal part of us. And it is the part that ultimately we are intended to really live from. The Bible refers to us as our spirit ruling the flesh in many cases. And so Daniel was a man with an excellent spirit, which means that Daniel was a man whose spirit was really the driving force. What was happening in the deepest layer of him, the deepest, most inner man, the Bible refers to in other places, in the inner man, what was happening is what was driving all of the activity of Daniel's life. And so we can tell that the spirit was actually uh, causing other parts of him to yield or to not actually control what was going on, such as the flesh. And this is what happens a lot of times is that our flesh can begin to rise up and can actually be more in control than our spirit. That's when we fall to temptation. That's when we slip. That's when we believe lies of the enemy and things like that is when the spirit's really more silent and the flesh is actually what's having its way and what's in control. But Daniel was a man whose spirit was ultimately driving his life. Let me give you kind of an analogy here about predominance and the overarching thing. We, one of our kids, our three-year-old, her name is Liza. We have six total, right? So... Somehow, she got the loudest voice of anyone in our entire household, the three-year-old does. And of course, when you're in a house of eight, as some of us here know, right? When you're in a house of eight, uh, we have another couple here today. They have five daughters and they're getting ready to have a son. I'm just, I'm sorry, I had to say that. Is that crazy or what? Like, yeah, so we welcome Keith and Betsy today. As our guest, thank you for being here. So anyway, as a family of eight well knows, um, it's kind of hard to be the predominant voice when commotion gets going in the room. I mean, it seems like when people start talking, and especially at the dinner table, it takes everything Katie and I have to try to keep everything at a sane volume, you know? And, but almost every single time, Liza, our three-year-old, just rises and blares above everybody. So when the commotion gets going, when the activity picks up, Liza becomes the predominant one. So when things happen in our lives, when we're tested, when we go through trials, when we go through difficulties, this is the question that I would ask you to ask yourself today. What part of you is really what rises up and becomes predominant? Is your flesh 
typically what's in control, even though you might not like it to be or you would agree that it shouldn't be? Is that really what has the driving force? Oh, I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to make it. Oh, it's just too bad. I don't know how I'm going to get through this. It's like we know in our spirit something different, but our flesh and our mouth and our emotions say something otherwise. They rise up and get control. See, that's what the opposite of the way Daniel lived his life was. And, and ultimately, that's why God used Daniel to do so many amazing things is because this sense that his spirit was predominant, was the driving factor in everything that he did in his life, was allowing things like the flesh to be silenced, to be suppressed, to be in control, to be rained down so that temptations didn't get the best of him, so that fear of things like enemies killing him, which he faced over and over again, didn't stifle his ability to move forward and believe that God would deliver him even if he didn't see a way. So the spirit being in control, guys, is a quality, an excellent spirit is a quality that all of us who would say, yes, God, I want to be who you've called me to be. I want to fulfill my destiny. I want to flourish in all the gifts and the things that you've put in me then we, want to, we need to understand that cultivating this idea of an excellent spirit and our inner man having the chief reign in our lives is something that all of us need to set our sights on. And we can learn a lot from Daniel. And so what I want to do, well, first of all, let's, let's point this thing out, that his flesh was in control. I'm sorry, that his spirit was in control and not his flesh. Go to Daniel chapter 1. Daniel chapter 1, verses 3 through 9. So the king instructs some of the eunuchs. This is actually where we see he gets taken into captivity. You might read through this and not pick up on that, but this is where it happens. The king had uh, instructed some of his eunuchs to bring some of the children of Israel and some of the king's descendants and some of the nobles. So they were bringing them out of Israel to Babylon. That's when they go and they seize these men. So he, he commanded them in verse 4 to bring young men who there was no blemish, were good-looking, gifted in all wisdom, possessing knowledge, and quick to understand that they would have the ability to serve in the king's palace and who they might be able to teach the language and literature of the Chaldeans. So he was good, or he was wise, he was good-looking, he was, I mean, if he was here today, you might say something like, he kind of reminds you of Pastor Matt a little bit or something, you know, and well, I'm just trying to help you understand the scriptures. No, that was bad. So he, he, it's interesting, he, he already had these qualities kind of about him, right? He was already smart, he was already good looking, not sure what that has to do with all this, but he already had a lot of desirable qualities, and so the king of Babylon says, go seize men like this and bring them here because we want to indoctrinate the rest of the Jews with the, Chalde the Chaldean, the Babylonian culture and the language, and they're going to help us to be able to do that. So that's ultimately what ended up getting Daniel captive, uh, captured was that he already had these great qualities about him, right? It's interesting that, guys, a lot of times that our gifts and our talent, our strengths and God using us, it, it doesn't always take us into a nice, easy road of comfort and complacency. A lot of times God wants to use the strong to go into hostile areas because he has a work that needs to be done and he needs strong people. He needs men and women of excellent spirits, right? So Daniel's taken captive. He's brought in. And then we see, jumping down here, in uh, verse 8, Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not, actually, let me back up, verse 5, the king appointed to these men that he uh, had brought forth that they would receive a daily provision 
of the king's delicacies, of wine which he drank, three years of training, and at the end of that time, they might serve before the king. And so among them from Judah were Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. And they changed their names. Daniel became Belteshazzar for, to the king, Hananiah, Shadrach, Mesh, uh, Meshach, and Azariah was Abednego. Now, interesting enough, these, this is just a side point here, but these three guys who were Daniel's buddies, his bros, these were the three guys that actually ended up in the fiery furnace. Do you remember that one? They went into the fiery furnace because they wouldn't compromise on their convictions, and God delivered them from the fiery furnace. Hallelujah. You remember the part where they looked, the king looked in the furnace, and he saw a fourth person in there? He said, well, who's the fourth person? You put three in there, and now there's four, right? God was in there with them, brought them out, and there was nothing, no, no evidence of fire, smoke. Their clothes were fine. Their hair was fine. But explain this one. The men that were outside of the, of the furnace were instructed by the king to elevate the temperature 10 times the degrees. Those men that brought the three guys into the furnace actually were killed, were, were incinerated, basically, because the heat was so bad when they got so close. But the three men were bros of Daniel's that were captured with Daniel, came out of Jerusalem, were the three guys that were in the furnace that were delivered out. Amazing, right? What does that say? These guys were, they were, uh, they were hanging together. Iron sharpens iron, right? I mean, they had sense enough to know we want to associate, we want to have our core group of people that we do life together with. We need to be on the same page because we're going to help strengthen each other. So all four of these guys go on to do these amazing things. And then it says here, after the king appointed those delicacies to them, in verse 8, Daniel purposed in his heart he would not defile himself with the portion of the king's delicacies. So basically, these guys have this situation where they're brought out of Jerusalem. Certainly, they didn't probably want to be captured, but now they're given this position where they basically got it made. They can have all the fine wine and dining, easy street, preferential treatment, pretty much come and go as they please. They get access to all the king's best stuff. Now, for a lot of people, they would probably check in, check that box and say, I'll take that situation, right? It's a deceiving thing. And here's what Daniel recognized. He recognized that this thing is kind of like a trap because even though there could be some nice things desirable parts of having a life of complacency, being in the king's preferential treatment, having all these things. He recognized that living that kind of lifestyle, if he was going to live that way, wine and dine, booze in, you know, all those things every day and just take it easy, he recognized that that itself was going to be a hindrance to him cultivating what he had already been cultivating, which was this excellent spirit that was in him. He says, you know what, I'm more about what's happening on the inner man. I'm more about my life being driven by what's happening in my spirit and in, in the innermost part of me. I'm not going to just go and participate in all these things over and over again that are going to maybe distract or pull away from that purpose of me becoming uh, strong in my spirit man. Because he recognized that lifestyle wasn't going to do anything to add to or contribute to or strengthen what he put as the highest priority, the most predominant thing that he needed to be have attention to in his life. Does that make sense? And so he totally gets it. Now, this is interesting, guys, because he already has a sensitivity built up to recognize the temptation when it comes. 
A lot of times when we're not about pursuing the things of God in our life and making that predominant, we're not engaged in that enough to where there's not this, like this heightened level of sensitivity in our lives where we can recognize those ensnarements and those traps when the enemy throws them at us. And so we don't ultimately make the decisions to turn away until something ends up happening later to trip us up or to get us off course. And then, whoa, we got to back up and recognize went the wrong direction. Daniel's sensitivity level is so high because of the way he cultivates this spirit in his life, because of the attention that he puts on this, that he immediately identifies this thing that seems like a really good, hey, you're going to be awesome. We're going to give you preferential treatment because you're so good looking. You're so wise. We're going to take care of you. And it looks desirable. He says, no. No, 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 that ain't for me because that's going to distract from what really is the main thing. And so we need to be in a place where our sensitivity levels are up, where something can look good, it can look enticing, but we can step back and we could say, no, that is not going to contribute to building me up in my inner man and helping me to become who it is that God has created me to be. So a couple things that I see uh, about Daniel that are huge Okay, that led to the excellent spirit and then what came out of that. I'm just going to give you four things today. Don't, this isn't like some exhaustive list. Certainly there are other qualities that we can identify about Daniel. So I just, there's things that just really stand out to me that I want to bring, up, bring forth to you because ultimately what we want to do is we want to look at his life and we want to say, yes, here was a man of an excellent spirit. Here's main, main factors that contributed to that. Here's what God did with him. And, and ultimately, we want to have an excellent spirit, and so we need to follow some of those same things that Daniel did. Number one, he was a man of prayer. He was a man of prayer. Now, that may seem simple, okay? Sure, of course, we're supposed to pray. But it was different for Daniel. First of all, he prayed three times a day. The Bible tells us that. Three times a day, he went into a place of prayer. Now, you got to understand what prayer looked like for the Jewish culture. It wasn't like, oh, I'm going to go over here and say a quick, you know, uh, our father three times and I'm going to move on, right? It wasn't like that. It wasn't like I'm just going to, oh, real quick, get it done and then move on. The time of prayer for the Jewish culture was where they went and they put themselves in a place where literally there was nothing else that was distracting them. It's hard to say exactly how long that time was. I don't know that it was so much about the time as much as just they went in and they made this a major priority in their lives. Daniel never deviated from this. So much as we can tell from the Bible, it says he was a man who prayed three times a day diligently. And so there's not some law, guys, we don't want to get bound up in some kind of religious law that we say, oh, we all need to pray three times a day. That would be, that would be wrong. What we need to recognize is that Prayer was a continuous thing from beginning, middle, and end throughout each one of his days. Never missed it. What does that say? How critical is prayer in our lives? Do we recognize how important it is? Because I don't think anything changed from Daniel to us that we would need to be a people of prayer. Right? He was focused on making sure that he went into his prayer room, he went into his prayer time, and that he spent time with God, that he didn't have distractions around him. He didn't have things pulling him away from making sure that that time was invested in every part of his day. Now, it's interesting, because I'm going to be honest with you. Can I, can I confess something to you? No? Can I? Can I tell you? So, I, we're supposed to take everything into prayer. Daniel did that. Everything that was going on, it went to prayer. It, any, any major issue, it was, it was bathed in prayer. And ultimately, that was probably the first thing that he did with it. 
I am not a person who is really bent that way. I am more of like a strategic guy. Like I, I recognize something that needs to happen and I start thinking about plans. I start thinking about who we're gonna recruit. I start thinking about how we're gonna make this thing work. I immediately go to that strategic thinking. Now that has to happen. But for me, I can actually, just the way I'm wired, jump right past the prayer process. You guys are like, oh my gosh, that's a deal breaker. <laughs> Out of here. Just enjoy the rest of the service today. I get it. Okay. Fine. <laughs> my wife on, oh, I'm going to bring it back around. My wife, on the other hand, who God paired me with, she is a person who immediately goes to that place. So when we're together, obviously this works, right? Example, uh, last week or two weeks ago, we had all these issues in the basement with the water leaking and the stuff coming in. And, you know, I'm like, okay, I'm going to have to call people. I'm going to have to get estimates. We're going to look into the insurance part. We're going to have to get some, okay, we might be able to recruit some guys to do this part of this. And then she's like, well, I think we should probably pray about it. <laughs> I'm like, okay, yeah, that's probably a good idea. Yeah, yeah, I'll give you that one. <laughs> And it was painful because it was this situation where she ended up being right, and, and both of us knew that. And so it was like, ah, oh, okay, yeah. But she was. She was right. And so Daniel was a guy who, who took everything that was going on into prayer. He recognized that, like, there is not going to be a, an ultimate level of success, of victory in these things if we don't pray this thing through. And for people like me, I get into the task, I get into the strategy, and I get into the doing part, and, and I, because in my mind, I think I've got to be busy with this, i got to get on with this thing, or it's not going to happen. And there's this deal that I have to battle that says, look, if you set aside time to pray this thing through, if you bathe this in prayer, and you hear it from God, and you get direction from God, you don't need to be busy with all kinds of tasks and, and cut the prayer time short or circumvent it altogether. It's ultimately the prayer time that, that builds up the success and the victory that God's getting ready to do anyway. And, and, and just like Daniel, this is something that I picked up on, is that really some of the most effective men and women in the world for, for God through the Bible, they were men and women of prayer. They didn't cut that process short. And get this, this is what blows me away. Somehow, praying all that time, bathing everything in prayer, they actually still had time to get the job done. I mean, that's a huge revelation for me. Because I think you got to work all the time, and that, you know what I mean? It's like, if we've got to get on top of it, we got to do it. But they still found time to get everything done that they needed to get done. And all of the tasks and the activities didn't take away from and distract the process of needing to go into prayer. He was a man of prayer. And ultimately, that led to that sensitivity that he had to be so in touch with what was going on because the second thing that he was is that he was a man of purpose. He was a man of purpose, or let's just say conviction. Never do we see in Daniel's life any situation where he bent his knee to compromise. Never. He was, he was steadfast. He was inflexibly honest and true and loyal to God in every single thing that he did. There were so many opportunities, like right here, wine and dine on the king's delicacies, right? He had to go forth and interpret some dreams for kings that were actually prophesying the demise or the misfortune of those kings. He could have been killed. 
He could have been killed in the second, in the moment, and he didn't do anything except say, and with boldness, what God spoke to him to say and how he interpreted those dreams. And he certainly went right down into the lion's den because he wasn't willing to stop praying to God and bow his knee to the, to the idol, to the king's statue of worship. He was inflexibly honest and loyal to God all the time. He had backbone. And this is something that really, quite frankly, is pretty rare today. It seems that whenever the situations get tough, when the heat starts to pick up, for a lot of people, they jump out of the fire before it ever even really starts to get hot. What do I mean by that? I mean staying true and loyal to who God is and what he says to do. There's so many opportunities, guys, for us to compromise on little things. And that's usually where the enemy wants to come at us with it. Little things that if we'll just compromise on a little thing that we know deep down in our spirit to be true, but the flesh says it's probably okay, it's probably justifiable. When is it ever justifiable? Look, right is always right. And wrong is never right, right? I mean, that's deep stuff right there. Woo, wow, no. And, but Daniel was inflexible about these things. He was always steadfast and being loyal. He was a man of purpose, and he was a man of conviction. And ultimately, that purpose and that conviction led him right into hostile territories, as I said before, on many occasions. I think we just have to get... Aware, make, be aware of this. We have to understand this, that look, part of our purpose and our destiny, we want to become who God's created us to be. We are going to go look the enemy in the face. We are going to come face to face and staring him down at times, and he's going to try to derail us. And our purpose, our conviction and loyalty to what God says is right and true needs to be just like Daniel's was, inflexible in those moments and in those times. We can't run. We can't jump out of the fire anytime it gets a little bit tough because it seems easier or because we just feel like, oh, you know what? It's, it's not going to be a big deal. It's, it's justifiable here. I would bet, and deep down in our spirit, if we listen to our spirit, not our flesh, we would always hear God whispering to us what the true and right thing to do is. We can't jump out of the fire. You know, Katie, she's funny. She, uh, she's got this thing with June bugs. Like, she's terrified of them. Yeah, and so every now and then I'll throw one, you know, and, and I know, I know, it's not godly, I know, I know, I know. Uh, I'm already not a guy that prays, so what do I got to lose today, right? It's not true, I do pray a lot, I just, it's not my nature to go that direction, you know what I'm saying. So anyway, she's got this thing with June bugs, and, and if one hits her, I mean, she just goes frantic. It's funny, actually. And she just starts ah, screaming and flaring and everything flailing around. But if she even hears a June bug, bzzz, and hears one pop off of the glass, you know, like they, those kamikaze deals that they do, if she even hears one, she freaks out. I mean, she's actually knocked the kids over trying to get inside before. <laughs> so my point is, is before the danger even really hits her, she's already jumping out. She's already bailing and jumping inside and getting away from it, right? A lot of times, our purpose, guys, standing for the things that are right, being who God's created us to be, are going to take us into hostile territory, and we're going to have to be people who can steadfastly walk through that fire, through those challenges, and not be tempted to jump out and run inside or get out of the fire just because it's going to get a little bit hot. 
We could see time and time again that God's delivered Daniel from every situation that he ever encountered, right? His enemies, they were always, uh, their, their efforts and their attempts to come against him always ended up failing. God always protected Daniel. He was a man of purpose and backbone in addition to a man of prayer. Now, being a man of prayer and purpose ultimately led to these last two things that I see were more of an outflow of what was going on in his life that was sort of characteristic of a person of an excellent spirit. And that was that he was a man of perception or wisdom, and he was a man of power and influence. Really, really awesome things. You know, we're supposed to have influence. We're supposed to make an impact in this world. We're supposed to carry forth wisdom with us that the world cannot know. Daniel was a wise man. He had knowledge. He had access to, to things that only God could know. And listen to what he says about that wisdom, about the source of why it comes. In Daniel chapter 2, verses 20 through 24, it reads, Daniel answered and said, Blessed be the name of God forever and ever, for wisdom and might are his, and he changes the times and the seasons. He removes kings and raises up kings. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to those who have understanding. He reveals deep and secret things. He knows what is in the darkness, and light dwells with him. I thank you and praise you, O God of my fathers, that you have given me wisdom and might and now have made known to me what is asked of you for you have made me known uh, made us known to the king's demand so he is he is saying here yes wisdom and knowledge are in him and are coming forth but he is identifying very clearly what the source of that wisdom and knowledge are he says in another passage, he says, I'm not wise because I have some knowledge in me that men don't have, that, that I've acquired some intellectual knowledge. He's just basically saying, look, remember the man of prayer, the man of purpose? I have wisdom in me because God has deposit, depo, deposited and imparted that into me for the things that he's called me to do, but he's depart, deposited and imparted that to me in those moments and in those times of prayer and seeking him and spending time with him. And now all of a sudden, Daniel has this pool of wisdom, this wealth of wisdom in his life that God is just flowing in and it's flowing out. And it's happening because he's a man who is seeking God and praying all the time, and he's a man who's standing for purpose. God knows he's going to do what's right. If I give him this wisdom, then he can be trusted with it. To him who much is given, much is required, right? Daniel was a man who passed that test. The excellent spirit in him was identifiable by God, and he knew that God could give him this Wisdom, and that Daniel would go forth and do amazing things with it. He brought him divine insight into all kinds of matters of life, all types of situations that came up, from kings needing dreams interpreted to prophecies about what God was doing in the world today, what God would ultimately do in the, in the world thousands of years later that God was depositing divine insight into him for all matters pertaining to life. Let me just say this. I hope you desire this. I certainly desire this. I want supernatural knowledge continually flowing into my life. I want to know and hear and see things from God that I can't read and pick up in a textbook. 
I want the wisdom of God to be flowing in my life so rapidly and so strong that ultimately the wisdom of the world pales in comparison to having any front seat in my life to the wisdom of God. Amen? And Daniel had that wisdom. Another little point that I wanted to make about his perception that was really amazing to me, and this is, this is something I think for all of us that we could say, wow, that challenges me. You know, Daniel, he was not bitter at all. He didn't have any resentment for the hardships that he was facing. Think about it. It would be tough not to get mad at God for getting captured when you're 15 years old and ripped from your family and never getting reunited with them. None of us have faced anything like that, right? I would imagine. He didn't have any resentment whatsoever. There's no sense that he had any kind of bitterness in his soul and his spirit whatsoever about the hardships that he was facing. That ought to say a lot about God's ability to continue to use us because, amazingly enough, even through those difficult hardships that he went through, through all those years, he never lacked divine opportunities to be used by God. God's power, God's fame, God's will was still coming forth in full force in Daniel's life and wasn't hindered in any way by the hardships that he was facing. We have to get this out of our heads, guys, that for any reason that we fall into calamity or difficulty or trials, we just certainly don't wish that on ourselves or any, any of our brother and sisters, but there is never a time where God is hindered or limited in his ability to use us because of the trials or circumstances that we might be facing. And Daniel was in some of the worst types of things, and God just, boom, continued to use him over and over and over again. It was amazing to see what happened. And lastly, Daniel was a man of power and influence. Power and influence. The Bible says, listen to this, in Proverbs chapter 3, verses 3 through 4, New Living Translation. Never let loyalty and kindness leave you. Tie them around your neck as a reminder. Write them deep within your heart, and then you will find favor with God and with people, and you'll earn a good reputation. There was favor on Daniel's life in every season that he lived. Amazing, isn't it? Did you know you're never intended to be out from under the favor of God? Every season of life that you will breathe breath that you are intended to be under the favor of God. It says he had favor with God and with men. It said the same thing about Jesus. Do you remember that? When he was 12 and he taught in the temple and as he was going out, it said he grew in, in favor with God and with men. Amazing. The influence that having an excellent spirit, that living a purposeful life, being a person of prayer brings is what God can take and he can use and he can bring influence into our lives to impact the world, guys, to change the scope of what the surroundings around us look like. It's exactly what happened with Daniel. Did you know he held offices, major offices or positions in three different dynasties? Three. He started with Babylon, and that was Nebuchadnezzar, and then Belshazzar, his son. Babylon was conquered by the Medes, and then he held offices there, and that was Darius, King Darius, and th- that was the, the lion's den one. And then they were overthrown by the Persians, which was King Cyrus. 
And that was the, ultimately the king who sent the Jews back into their Jerusalem to rebuild it, but Daniel never went. He held offices in three kingdoms. He had influence with kings of multiple dynasties. Every single one of those kings, if you read the Bible, it'll tell you they declared that the God of Daniel is the true God. It's in the scriptures. Now, how, what more of a picture can we get of an excellent spirit that's lived and that brings forth the kind of influence and impact than we see multiple kings take their knee to the name of the one true God? Is that unbelievable or what? What's crazy, too, is that Daniel, he never actually, like, sought out, so as we see, to, to do that. That wasn't, like, his goal. I'm going to have four kings converted, or I want to have multiple kings bow their knee to God. He was just a man of purpose and a man of prayer, and everything that came out of his life was miraculous and amazing. He obviously defied the lion's den and walked out of that thing. All these major things. Men in every type of situation respected and trusted Daniel because there was something different that was identifiable about him from everyone who got close to him. Hallelujah. Praise God. That's a purpose for you too, that men and women would recognize so distinctly something different about our lives, an excellent spirit, that they would recognize something different that would ultimately lead to respect Trust, favor, and influence. Amen? Amen. Daniel's life was a perfect picture of that. Many people would say today that a strong spiritual life would actually be more of a hindrance to an effective public or business kind of life. That that would be a hindrance because people don't want to hear about that stuff nowadays or... You know, we can't really, you know, politically correct. We want to offend people and stuff and, and say things that are wrong. I'm not saying we don't be courteous and stuff. But the point is, is that Daniel was a very devout, disciplined man with his, with his private life. He was all about pursuing the strengthening of his inner man. And as a result of that, he had a beautiful, admirable, and powerfully influential public life. He was involved in business affairs. He was involved in political things. He was sitting underneath of kings. He was literally second in command in different regions of the king's provinces. And he wasn't even one of their own. He was a Jew, right? He influenced them more than they influenced him. Wow, that's powerful. Stand to your feet with me today. I just want to encourage you in this and as we close up today. Hopefully you see that Daniel, this man of an excellent spirit, a man of prayer, a man of purpose, which led to a man of perception, led to a man of power, and it was all by God's hand. But Daniel, guys, he invested himself in the things that were necessary to cultivate that excellent spirit. Many, many times we get caught in this place where we invest more of our human capital, our resources, our time, our energy, our finances, whatever it is. We invest more capital that we have available in trying to pursue all kinds of other things that have absolutely nothing to do with the strengthening of our inner man. 
We can get caught up in all kinds of stuff. And look, I'm not saying we don't go and enjoy ourselves and do things. Certainly we do. But what I'm saying is, is that when, when people say, I want to live for God, I want to recognize my purpose in life, and we say, okay, Daniel had great habits. He prayed three times a day. He prayed all the time, basically. He sought God. He took everything that was big in his life into prayer. He set aside time every day to make God a priority. Okay, here's what we see. A purpose, an excellent spirit, a man living for purpose. People say, I want that. Pastor, I want that in my life. You say, okay, we got to invest ourselves, our human capital. we got to pursue and seek God. Ultimately, he brings it. He changes us. He does all the supernatural part. But he's looking for those to seek him. He's looking for those to pursue him. He's not going to force you into that. Right? And as somebody would say, well, I just... I just don't have time for that. I've heard that. Like, I don't have time. I just, I'm just too busy. I've got this going on. I've got that going on. Hey, I get it. I was a guy who worked 80 hours plus a week for six, more than six years of my life trying to make a million dollars early in my career in business. It drove everything that I did. I didn't have time for anything else. I get it. I was there. But listen, I just got to tell you, as your pastor... That's not what God is saying. That's not what he's calling you to. He's saying, look, you invest yourself in what is your priority? What is important? Is an excellent spirit? Is strengthening your inner man, your spirit man, to build up the gifts in you, to build up the the God part of you, to strengthen you for a move outwardly to change the world? Is that the priority? Or is it all of these other things and you have a little piece available for me? God's drawing us into a different place. He's drawing us to a place that says, seek me. And when you don't think you'll have time, you will have time. When you don't think you'll have resources, you will have resources. When you don't think you have opportunities, you will have opportunities. Because I am the God who is the creator of heaven and earth, and I own everything, and it's all under my control. And I can open any door for you. I'll supply every need according to my riches in Christ Jesus. And I'll bring forth every strength, every part of wisdom, anything that you would ever need to be who I'm calling you to be. We can't doubt that. We got to know that that is the truth. Amen? Let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, I ask you today, God, as we seek to excel in our spirit man, as we seek to have your strength building up our spirit to become the predominant driving thing in our lives, God, that we may become everything you've created us to be. Help us, Lord. We know that your word says as as we draw close to you, that you'll draw close to us. And we draw near to you now, here, in this moment, in this time, that you draw near to us and we continue to do that in the days ahead. Help God make this noticeable to people is what I'm asking you today. Make this obvious to people now as they take steps in this direction that you are coming in and that you are moving and that you are doing a work by your hand that cannot be done by man. Seal this truth for people today. God, in Jesus' name I pray.